Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and co-parents of all ages, this podcast is for you. Introducing in the center ring the amicable divorce expert, Judith Weigel. Joining me in center ring today, we have a hell of an act. Well, first of all, the title of this episode is How to Understand and Avoid Exploitation. Exploitation comes in many different shapes and sizes, but in so far as it relates to divorce, we're talking more about relationship exploitation, uh, romantic exploitation, financial exploitation. We have as our guest today, Barry Mosian. Barry is president of the Talent Companies, and the Talent Companies do a variety of professional services to include executive protection, corporate investigations, information security, targeted violence protection, but the three that are going to apply to this discussion are undercover operations, background checks and due diligence investigations, and litigation support. So Barry, president of Talon uh, Talon Companies, is a former U.S. Army intelligence expert and security and tactical operator. This is the part that I love, Barry, in your background and what you do. When you conduct internal investigations, they yield between a 94 and a 96% confession rate who doesn't love that very welcome <laughs> yeah that's 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 a it's a statistic that we've worked hard on uh, uh, being able to achieve over the several decades we've been doing this in the private sector and i can i can tell you it is trickier in the private sector than it is in public sector work uh for a because variety. there's more of a paper trail in public sector it, it, absolutely. Uh, well, no, there's there's actually more of a trail in private sector, public sector being between government agencies uh, or a government agency like a police department and a private citizen, for example. Um, so, but with, with uh, private sector work, uh, companies and corporations and dealing with undercover operations in particular, um, it, it takes a very specific and curated approach to to garner that 94 to 96% uh, confession rate. Because the evidence has to be so overwhelming that what's the point anymore of of not telling the truth? (laughs) (laughs) Correct. That's exactly right. And, you know, it's an interesting dilemma because, you know, given the crazy state of the world today, um, it's actually good that we have that high threshold standard to prove guilt in these uh, circumstances, uh, when you have somebody who's committing these deceptions or embezzlement or uh, fraud or just misrepresentation in a corporate environment, uh, it's good that there's a high threshold of proof that's necessary. Um, And it just becomes a challenging uh, kind of uh, benchmark for professionals like our firm and our team to achieve. But it's absolutely achievable. And at the end of the day, it makes the, the finished work product that much more sound and solid for third-party review. And, and that covers right across the board. Uh, and in particular for the topic that we're going to touch base on today, uh, because we're dealing with not only facts, but also uh, people's emotions. Um, you know, when their heart is engaged in, in a, a relationship, uh, they oftentimes don't want to acknowledge or believe um, 
that they're being taken advantage of by somebody or a group of people is sometimes can be the case when it comes to matters of the heart. They just don't want to hear that. They don't want to believe it. And I, and I understand that. I'm very empathetic towards that position. Uh, we hold on to at least a little bit of our humanity and have that hope that people are just generally good. And I think that is true. But, uh, you know, trust but verify, as we like to say. When you and I were originally talking and preparing for this, for this episode, I was really struck by how much you understood human emotions and how empathetic you were to the human condition. And it doesn't sound like the work that you've done has hardened you. It, it actually sounds like the work that you've done has made you an extremely compassionate person. Yeah, I think that's true. And, I, and you know, it's very nice of you to, to you know, notice that. But um, I think that's true. And I, that's something that is, is not only beneficial for me personally and, you know, just my general, uh, you know, emotional well-being and operating in this world as an as a individual, but also as a parent, as a father, two lovely girls, and, and also as a professional investigator um, because you have to be honest with yourself. And if you're honest with yourself about these situations and, and uh, sometimes the, the frailty and foibles of human nature, it makes you a better investigator. It gives you the ability and the capacity and the bandwidth to identify when there are problems of exploitation or potentially problems of it. But then more importantly, to be able to convey that to your client to help them better understand their situation and help them avoid those potholes uh, and obstacles of, you know, self-denial and, you know, I'm a successful business person. That's why I'm, you know, a high net worth individual. I'm smarter than the average bear. There's no way I can be taken advantage of because I'm just too smart for that. And that's fine because most of the time that is true. But of course, the irony here is, is that we're not able to see our own blind spots, are we? No, we're not. And in regards to the way I got connected with you, it was actually through another example that I have run into in my divorce business, and that is romance fraud, financial exploitation in immigration marriages. Mm -hmm. Now, not all immigration marriages are that, and I certainly don't mean to say that they are, but over the 10 years that I've been doing what I do for a living, which is mediate and file for divorce, I have seen one type of situation happen, and that is older men who were married for 40 and 50 years and became widowers were so used to being in a relationship and loved being in a relationship, but didn't know how to date after so many years married. Yeah. Went on dating sites, which is uh, just a landmine of opportunity to fail and sometimes to succeed went on websites typically that had non-Americans on because they just were fascinated with different cultures mm -hmm. innocently <clears throat> and then married much younger women who needed financial support for themselves and their families. Mm -hmm. And within a couple of years, they're in my office, they're getting divorced. Most recently, 
it happened with somebody that found you. And then I said, well, who did you talk to? I want to talk to this man since he told you the same thing that I thought was happening. And you got upset when I said it. And the issue was immigration marriage, older man, very successful, smarter than the average bear, Mm -hmm. lots of money, went on a dating site, international, much younger man. So we have a gay marriage. It doesn't matter. Heterosexual, gay, who cares? The same things happen. They they met one month. um, They met online one month. The very next month, they met in person and got married Mm -hmm. and then moved to wherever they moved. And all of a sudden, it didn't feel like a normal relationship. There was money being asked for. Uh, Can you provide for my family? Just so many different requests that were not normal in a healthy relationship. And and he said, so I, I need to get divorced right now. And I said, no, you need to find a private investigator right now. You need to know what you're dealing with because this was bigger than anything I had experienced before. Mm-hmm. I thought it was on a different scale and he found you mm-hmm. and yeah. then he called me and he said I was mad at you for telling me that there was a problem but I'm so happy that you had me do this now Barry at the end of the day he's they're still together because of what you just said and I want you to comment on this he just isn't accepting like so many people it takes a while wasn't accepting that he could make a mistake but here's the other thing We develop our ability to have relationships from when we are younger. Whatever was not satisfied in our parental relationships acts itself out when we go to get married. We want our mother's love. We want our father's respect. Mm -hmm. So you know the case I'm referring to. How did you read that because your services weren't engaged after you gave your approach? Yeah, no, well, we actually were engaged, but, but more for, um, more for uh, background, for due diligence. Um, and, and so we had um, other uh, options and um, other options that were available to that client um, should he choose to go down a particular path or actually there were several options where we could assist in a number of different results or outcomes, depending on what he wanted to do. And, and that's kind of our approach is we, we want to, it's not a binary approach. It's not up or down or left or right. It's, it's a, uh, we, we curate solutions as best we can within the confines of obviously the law um, that work best for the client. And we find that giving them options is what helps. In that particular instance, it was a very interesting but not unique circumstance in that the, the background and profile of the client was exactly as you said, uh, successful, um, uh, very uh, self-aware, intelligent, both emotionally and intellectually individual. Um, I would say well-traveled, worldly, experienced, sophisticated, absolutely, uh, well-read, just really, you know, a heck of a catch, quite frankly. Um, so uh, add all yeah. that into, um, you know, a well-managed financial portfolio. And in, he presented the perfect target 
for a predatory individual uh, looking for that type of a, a solution for them. That is an, an immigration marriage uh, coupled with um, the ability to siphon off financial resources along the way. I think the thing in that particular instance that was unexpected for the client was, was and I, I don't want to get too armchair psychologist in, in here, but obviously in our profession, in my profession, uh, in threat assessment, we do a fair amount of human behavioral responses for um, human behavioral responses for um, understanding why an individual engages in aberrant or dysfunctional behavior. So the interesting aspect of this is that the client fell for all of the kind of superficial uh, trappings in that relationship that one might kind of expect and would not be surprised about. Uh, the, the younger uh, man was very good looking, uh, you know, uh, well-traveled, uh, very well-educated, uh, articulate, uh, worldly to a large extent, uh, and obviously younger and virile and, and all of those attractive qualities that, that uh, the client was looking for. But I think the thing the client missed was the complexities of his own emotional needs. And so once he engaged in that relationship and it seemed too good to be true, of course it was, um, if by true we mean the baseline understanding is we are engaging in this relationship as a mutual exchange of emotional gratification, physical gratification, and generally emotional support and trying to to kind of navigate a future together and experience our lives, hopefully for the rest of our lives together. If that's the baseline of truth that he, that the client was going into the relationship for, that's where their goals were kind of misaligned. And that sounds very clinical and, and maybe even a little disengaged emotionally, but it's those subtle nuances of understanding oneself and what you're looking for in a relationship. And the lack of that, um, introspective understanding of yourself and what you're really looking for that creates the vulnerability. And with this client, it played out really by the numbers. Um, once he reluctantly looked at the background, we had pulled together through, um, and, and again, this was an international, uh, uh, international case. We reached out to our contacts in a number of different areas around the world to be able to get access to information, uh, and the background that we, that we produced for him was not uh, anything, anything overly disconcerting. Really what it reinforced was, in other words, this individual did not have a criminal record. They were not a serial killer. They were not suspected of, of physical violence with anybody, <clears throat> which is good. However, uh, again, very well educated. Um, and the individual uh, was in a profession, you know, a licensed uh, professional, that um, indicated that he was able to read personalities, able to read the room, able to understand human nature, and certainly the emotional component to some extent, um, to a large extent, frankly. And so almost a worse scenario when you're looking at exploitation and manipulation, because the, the younger man was eminently capable and qualified to emotionally manipulate my client. And I think 
did a very thorough job of it. And so even faced with the facts, my client, who again, very intelligent, very good businessman, good instincts, just clearly made the choice that the exchange that was occurring, even though it was exploitive, was okay with him for now. Uh, it was willing to carry on with that relationship even after understanding the full scope of, of what was likely happening. So, um, and of course, from my perspective, there are all manner of in-person um, in person exchanges, face-to-face uh, -face discussions that happen uh, that uh, I, don't, I, I, I don't have privilege of knowing what was occurring. And I'm confident that what happened was my client was reassured in, in a very kind of uh, smooth and sophisticated way, in a very reassuring way emotionally, that, uh, that this was a forever thing and this was a good thing. And look how much fun we had together. And not only how much fun we have together, but uh, I really care for you. You're different, you're unique, and you're, is it genuine? I couldn't tell you. I would be cautious of it, but therein lies the the, the conundrum. When you're face to face in it, you are in a bubble, and you don't have the ability to look at those situations objectively because your emotions are engaged. And then you know, hold on for the ride. You know, you've got the uh, endorphins, the serotonin, all of the fun stuff the brain releases once those emotional buttons start getting hit. That really. Uh, Cloud your judgment. So I, I would say the, the lesson there is the biggest thing that you can do, the best thing you can do to help yourself in that circumstance is to reach out to trusted personal advisors and trusted professional advisors to give you a gut check, to give you a perspective of the, of the situation, laying out the facts, and acknowledge and accept that you may have some blind spots in that situation. That initial kind of gut check will help you navigate uh, very tricky waters. Uh, it would be tricky for anybody because the heart wants what the heart wants. So if we all remember the, uh, I think it started as a Netflix special and then went on to um, major television, Johnny Versace and Andrew Cunanan. Right. I mean, that to me is such a perfect example of romance, fraud, and financial exploitation Excellent. with what you just said. I mean, his, his sister, his, everybody in his inner circle that knew him and wanted to protect him were all on the same page. Johnny, you need to pay attention. You're getting all the right signals to have a wrong relationship. And Johnny really, it was hard. And then, unfortunately, he ended up dead, which is the worst thing that can happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and a friend of mine um, who's uh, on his way to be, being a licensed therapist and social worker was saying that he had a friend who, American, wasn't in immigration marriage. So, again, it, it happens everywhere. I just happen to experience it in immigration marriages. But, you know, within our own culture, it happens that um, a friend of his, a female friend of his, engaged in a relationship that was unhealthy. She was very successful. She made great money, uh, had quite a good name in, in not only her industry, but her community. And she was somehow blinded 
to perform acts, and this would go into your corporate espionage stuff, to perform acts that would have gotten her arrested and potentially put in jail if she was found out and she committed suicide to avoid it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I remember you telling me about that story when we uh, were first discussing this episode yeah. and the, uh, the outline of it. And it's tragic. And that is a, a um, excellent example, though very, very tragic example of the, the real collateral damage that occurs with these relationships. I, I mean, you can imagine you can only imagine um, spending, you know, perhaps decades building a fortune, building a reputation, um, and not only that, but your, you know, your personal sense of self worth and self esteem that then is dismantled piece by piece by piece, and you are an unwitting, um, an unwitting um, collaborator in that because you don't understand uh, or are willing to see that you. Um, you have these blind spots and these emotional gaps that you are willing to take chances over. And there's also that, that uh, kind of classic dilemma of an individual who does achieve a certain amount of uh, commercial success, financial success, and they make those assumptive leaps that that does mean I'm the smartest person in the room and, and I have the ability to see things that other people don't see. And of course, hubris can undo us all, right? Hubris is the thing that will uh, guaranteed steer you right towards the rocks when you think uh, you're heading out to open oceans and open seas. The industrial espionage component of this of that story was very interesting because that is something that my firm and organization deal with um, really kind of more directly than than we do with uh, individual cases. However, the the corporate um, internal intellectual property thefts, the network breaches that turn into actual capital losses and financial fraud um, are always leveraged through an employee, uh, an owner, a board member, somebody within the organization whose emotional um, vulnerabilities have been exposed and exploited. And so the way to the way corporate espionage works is precisely through is precisely through a um, individual, and those individuals are oftentimes profiled by professional conmen, grifters, um, counterintelligence specialists, um, and in you know, in, in this applies obviously in the government sector and the in the um, public sector, as we refer to it. And that's precisely what uh, counterintelligence and espionage in the spy world is about. You find individuals, you use human intelligence to find their vulnerabilities, and you exploit them. Um, and that doesn't typically happen. Um, that happens in social settings. So it happens exactly in the same way that it happens with online dating. In fact, online dating platforms are a what we refer to in the military intelligence uh, business as a uh, target-rich environment, because you have individuals, humans, that are reaching out to this, although it's it's somewhat regulated and, and exclusive because you have to sign up, and you have to be you know, screened to get onto a lot of these platforms, some of them less so, uh, but you are coming to the table with a need, and it's an emotional need. And so right off the bat, your opening introduction is, I'm a human being in, in need. So it, 
that gives the potential predator or the exploiter the ability to really, although it's not who are my targets, it's how do I tailor my approach for this target, for this target, and now this target. So it is a veritable smorgasbord of options and possibilities. And those online dating platforms are just treacherous. Now, I'm, I'm sure some people have met their, you know, their soulmates and their you know, lifelong companions, and that's great. That's very good because obviously that can happen. Um, but it's, you have to really be self-aware. You have to really ask yourself, what am I looking for? Where are my limits? And you have to walk yourself through that, that self-realization process before you engage in that, that type of exchange. So this is a good jumping off point for a very basic question, and that is, what is exploitation? What does it look like? What are the signs of it when it comes to relationships? What are the red flags? Well, so these are all going to seem uh, self-evident and obvious, but you know, when that is the case, we we always ask the uh, our clients to really stop and digest what what they're seeing and what we're seeing to them and what they're experiencing. So, the first red flag, of course, is everything is moving faster than you would normally expect it to move. If it's moving too fast, the questions you want to ask yourself is why is that? Is it, being, is it being guided or pushed <clears throat> even, even subtly uh, by this new person in your life? Uh, the second question to ask yourself is, what do I truly know about this individual? And those two questions will, if asked and, and answered honestly and given really serious consideration will act as a, a, as a speed break to a relationship that's possibly going down a path of exploitation because it'll give that individual um, a moment to maybe, maybe have a, an epiphany that, oh my gosh, this is moving very fast. I've never been in a relationship to move this quickly. We're starting to engage in behavior and, and getting involved in each other's lives, and particularly this person in my life, uh, faster than anybody else I've ever led into my life in the past. And, oh my God, I don't really know much about this person at all. I know where okay. I met them. I know what I like about them personally uh, from an affection perspective. But I, beyond that, I don't know this person. Okay, so an example, if I may interject, in sure. it's moving too fast is the phrase love bombing. I've heard that phrase. I'm not sure that I quite understand it. Oh, my God. I love your hair. You dance. Well, let's get married tomorrow. <laughs> um, I was love bombed a couple of years ago by somebody I met at a sports bar. Well, of course, because you have great hair. Thank you, Barry. And I am having a very good hair week. Um, <laughs> even though this is audio, I'm telling all of you, I am actually experiencing excellent hair this week. She tells the truth. But... Here's what love bombing looked like. Um, we hit it off, yeah. and it was at a sports bar with a team that we both supported. So those sports teams do tend to connect people. Oh, yeah. And because he had my email address, the next day I got, this is fabulous, so happy that we met, 
tons of rows of hearts and then little rows of um, roses and emojis. And then it was maybe four or five emails that day. We're talking about the next day. Yeah. Yeah. And even though he was interesting and fascinating to talk to, I sat back and I said, I think I know what love bombing is now. (laughs) And it continued for a while until I I figured out what was going on. And then, I mean, no foul, no harm. But I said, okay, I've never seen this before. Now I get what this is. Sure. Okay, some other things. Because you had mentioned this. You can expand on this. Mm-hmm. When, when things become chaotic, um, all of a sudden we've gone from, oh, this is nice. We met. Let's see what, you know, what, what we have in common to, oh, my God, my family needs help. I don't have money right now. Can you help me out with a loan? Right. That, that situation, um, well, obviously a red flag. Um, for an individual to feel, you know, again, in air quotes, that comfortable to approach uh, a new relationship, a deeply felt emotional relationship and connection, um, and ask for some sort of financial, you know, uh, help is just a by-the-book red flag. And the reason that is, is it's a direct exploitation and manipulation of the emotional connection that's already been set. Now, individuals that are good at this, predators that are good at doing this, um, typically will not rush to that stage too fast because it's a dead giveaway that something is amiss. Um, But depending on how good they are at emotional entanglement and really becoming an integral part of that person's emotional landscape, will usually gauge or determine when the predator approaches the, the you know, intended victim um, and, and pops that question. And then the depth of the, of the ask, right, the, the size of the ask is indicative of a couple of things. One, how, how, um, how um, not trained, but rather how experienced that ex- exploitive individual is at this what their ultimate goal is, if it's part of a larger scheme or picture, because again, it could be personal finances that they're going after. It could be corporate information, intellectual property, uh, in order to get closer to an, another uh, better placed target. So you're leapfrogging. Uh, it depends on what their ultimate goal is. But when you hear the ask, um, you want to take that moment to really examine how why would you think it was okay to approach me this quickly for such a big ask? Uh, and yes, it's just money. And yes, I'm well off and I could certainly help. But the thing that strikes me as odd is why you would ask me so, so fast into this relationship. Uh, we, we had another term for that in the military. Uh, we used to refer to it as uh, playing somebody too close. Mm-hmm. So when you're playing them too close, you are making assumptions that you have that level of rapport and that you it's okay because we know each other and we're close and we're tight like that. And in fact, no, you're not. Now, the, post, the individual, the victim who's already kind of ensnared in this emotional entanglement um, 
will internally feel that it's not, there's something wrong about it. But then depending on their own um, kind of self-realized uh, uh, threshold, if you will, how, how well they understand themselves, they oftentimes will go from a wide range of emotions from feeling guilty that I can't believe I'm, you know, this person, I really care for them. I've really connected with them. And now I'm looking at them like they're trying to exploit me. What kind of person does that make me? I'm so cynical. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, they start to feel like, gosh, I'm just too cynical. Um, You know, I need to open my heart up because this is why I can never have, uh, you know, uh, healthy relationships because I'm too cynical. I'm always looking for somebody who's trying to take advantage of me. What would happen if I just let this happen naturally and I just uh, let nature run its course? Well, I'm here to tell you um, that much as you would suspect on products in the store shelf that are labeled, quote, natural, it doesn't mean anything. Uh, And what I mean by that in the emotional context is, and, and I've been using the term predator a lot, and I know that's a very aggressive term. What I mean by the term predator is, is that human beings are very uh, instinctual creatures. We're very uh, instinctual, we're very tribal. Uh, we have needs, we seek out solutions for those needs. And to one extent or another, we follow society's rules and how to engage and seek out those things that we need. Shelter, food, love, uh, uh, health, all of those things. And we all have our own techniques on how to approach and, and, and achieve those goals in our lives. And most of the time it's fine, but we lose sight of the fact that our natural uh, kind of default position is there's something I want, I'm driven, I'm going to go after it and I'm going to get it. Okay. And so the natural course of things is this individual has something they want. It happens to be your money and maybe some emotional exchange as well. And they're driven to go get it. Now, how they go about getting it is going to range greatly depending on their experience and their education and their ability to articulate that and, and, and you know, other psychological factors. Are they a sociopath? Are they, um, a, you know, a um, uh, charismatic narcissist? It, it depends on the range of background. But the bottom line, there is no such thing as nature running its course. We have rules uh, in how we conduct ourselves and we strive to be civil, but that is not our natural default position. And we encourage people to, um, we encourage our clients to, to really get comfortable with that concept. Why do we go to church? Why are we taught the golden rule as children? Because as a species, we are not that much different than the animal kingdom out there. They have their tribes, they have their packs. What's the goal? Stay together, stay alive, prosper. How does that happen? Sometimes it happens through taking resources from other tribes, other packs, and things of that sort. We have this natural competitive nature. Civilization, uh, the belief in a higher power outside of ourselves, all of those things are the product of evolved societies. We conduct ourselves in a civil manner because we find it it is better for everybody. But those civil mannerisms are constructs that we've brought to the table. So when people say, well, I'm just going to let this relationship run its natural course, 
well, what do you mean by that? Because it's natural courses. That individual has something or wants something from you. So you need to understand what that actually means. So getting back to back to the, the question of uh, the red flags, uh, it, it becomes a matter of if, if that voice in your head is saying, this is too fast, they shouldn't be asking me this, I wouldn't ask anybody in a new relationship for financial uh, help. I would find another way to do it because that relationship is so important to me. I don't want to muddy the waters with an ask for money or something like that. Apply those same standards in that relationship that you would apply to yourself, apply to that individual that you're engaged with. And here are some other subtle things that you said when we were initially talking, I wrote them down. If, if you feel internally chaotic or for it lo- if it looks like the communication of the relationship is a bit chaotic, if you're second guessing yourself when you generally would not, yeah. if you just have a bad gut feeling, these are some things that are running inside of you, you were saying, you mm. need to pay attention to. They're right. there for a reason. And this goes back to, these are natural protective devices we have inside of us as human beings. Precisely, precisely. And oftentimes with, with individuals um, who are well off, they, they've, they've gotten there, obviously, the vast majority of them by making good financial decisions. That is both experience, education, and instinct. So precisely right. Pay attention to your instincts and, um, and don't ignore them. Don't ignore them because you don't want to. There's always that fear of making that magic moment that you've experienced with this person go away and being the cause of that. And, and then whatever other baggage you bring to the table. This is, you know, again, I'm so cynical. This is why I can't have a, a meaningful, ongoing emotional relationship because I just don't open myself up and I don't trust. That those, that is a self-destructive, uh, in my opinion, a self-destructive approach to uh, these circumstances. You should you should ask the question, and if it's a meaningful relationship, then um, it will survive you asking the question. Why did you feel it was okay to ask me for money so early into the relationship? That's good. Now you really have to be a strong internally strong person to even ask that question, don't you think? Absolutely, because you may not want to hear the answer. But you right. do, that's absolutely correct. You, you, you have to be uh, strong enough in your own convictions as to why you're asking the question to be able to do that. And then again, do you not have to question yourself about why you're accepting this relationship? It's all part of the package. And that's why oftentimes clients will not want to ask that initial question because the answer, which they already suspect they know, is because you have, let's just say, that common response they get is, well, you have so much money and you're so comfortable and you're such a lovely person. I didn't think it would be a big deal. Okay, well, but that doesn't really answer the question. It just means... I'm an end to a means that doesn't, or a means to an end, rather. That doesn't mean, that doesn't answer my question of why did you personally think it was okay to ask me that? that that's a big ask. Um, you're asking me to trust you. We are just now starting to get to know each other. 
you know, Very. really a tough thing to face. It's absolutely a tough thing to face. And I would venture to say that quite a lot of people run into this situation where they are initially attracted to somebody and they don't realize that a sexual attraction is separate and apart from an emotional relationship, an intellectual relationship, a relationship that has the pillars of a healthy, strong relationship. We are so swayed, do you not think, by that instantaneous gratification that um, that sex gives us, and we yeah. always look for that. I mean, certainly, don't we want that to be part of every relationship? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. No, no. And, and therein lies the, the kind of the fundamental uh, physiological dilemma that humans are faced with, because obviously, you know, if, if the sexual connection is, is good, then you're getting a lot of, uh, you know, serotonin and dopamine response happening in your brain. And you know, that's the thing that drives humans in a lot of ways. And that's not a bad thing necessarily. But being able to get your intellect engaged in there and say, okay, I understand that that aspect of the relationship is great. Probably maybe even the best you've ever had. However, don't let that be the leverage point that all the rest of it gets dismantled, uh, you know, by, by giving that kind of access. So it's and, that, it's that odd now, kind of, uh, it's almost that very odd Victorian approach to, you know, be cautious of who you let into that inner circle, right? You know, we, if we look from a societal standpoint at, at the Victorians, they were these very kind of staid and, uh, you know, uh, pent up individuals, or at least that's how they're portrayed in history. But when you think about it, they were kind of the, the epitome of the highest form of civilized interaction, a lot of rules. There were specific ways to approach relationships and obviously uh, pedigree and, and, you know, family name and all of that was a, a big part of it, which is, of course, at the end of the day is ridiculous. But you can also take away from that that they were cautious because they understood human nature to the extent that they wanted to facilitate this other construct. Rules. Follow these steps. If you pass each of these, these tests then yes, you can come into the inner circle. If you don't, then why would I risk everything over this? And, and again, it's, it's, that's a far too logical approach to most emotional relationships. But, no, it but it's a cautionary tale. It, no, no, it's perfect. Because as you were talking, I'm thinking, okay, um, when you're out looking for a relationship, try not to be too needy. Um, it's, it would be better if you had self-confidence in yourself when you go on these dating sites, if that's where you're going to do it, or out, well, we're now getting back to going out to nightclubs and things. So sure. there will be, you know, more personal interaction is taking place, but you almost have to think highly enough of yourself right. to engage intimately with somebody, but don't open your bank account to them. Don't show them your 401k. Don't use that to build your own persona. Right. Precisely right. Yeah. And people exactly do right. that, don't they? They, they? they look at what they've achieved. They're proud. And they show off a little bit because, you know, hey, look, I've worked hard for this. Look what I've earned. And yeah, hey, this is me now. You know, it's interesting too because 
ironically, one of the things that these ding sites gives you the ability to do is do a lot of pre-screening if you're willing to do the work, right? Uh, going out to a club, you're dressed to impress. You show up in the Porsche as opposed to the, you know, Toyota, right? You want to impress people. Um, even if you're not necessarily looking for a long-term relationship or even something more than just at that moment. But the interesting thing about in-person relationships or in-person uh, initial contact and meetings, that is, that is the Serengeti of predatory behavior for exploited relationships because, you know, <laughs> you are people that they, the predatory types that are going out there looking to, to uh, connect with somebody to get into either a short-term or long-term exploitive relationship, they're dressed to impress. They're out there and they're going to be presenting at the highest level, just like the you know cheetah out on the Serengeti looking for that antelope. Uh, they're not, you know, the, the, the cheetah's not showing up, you know, uh, 50 pounds overweight and uh, getting winded after 20 yards of sprinting. That cheetah is built for speed, and they are getting out there. They're going to run down that antelope. They just got to find which one, right? And once they find, and what are they going to look for? They're not going to look for the weak. Well, they do look for the weak ones, but um, they, you know, to kind of modify the the metaphor a little bit, they're looking for one that looks like it's going to be a good meal, right? And that is precisely what's happening in the dating world. Uh, <laughs> now, again, I don't I don't want to you know overstate it, but. Uh, you know, that doesn't mean everybody you run into is a predator, of course. Uh, but there are different levels of need and what people are there to do. And people don't tend to just wander into nightclubs. They don't just tend to wander. Well, you know, I was, I was down at the synagogue or at the church and I was, I was walking home and gosh, I just found myself suddenly, you know, suddenly in this club. Uh, and I met you, God, what are the odds? What are the odds? We should really let nature take its course and see where this goes. And uh, by the way, would you hold my checkbook for me for a while? That would be really great. Oh my God. I love that. Uh, we could be a good meal. I absolutely, any food metaphor is good for me. Right. right. And we can relate to it. Okay. So please don't, I want to leave this point before I go on with, please don't be embarrassed. Mm -hmm. If your signals are up, and you think something is going on, A, you are attractive or, or this person wouldn't have approached you. So feel good about that. Absolutely. But be protective of yourself. Right. Be mindful. Be mindful. Yes. Be be okay. Aware. Now, after listening to this, people say, oh my gosh, they just defined, Barry just defined the relationship I'm in. Yes. So now, what to do? How do you approach the unraveling of a relationship that now there have been money has exchanged hands, maybe a couple passwords have exchanged hands to things, and now you're oh my gosh, this is me. What should people do? The first thing we recommend is um, sitting down by yourself in a quiet space, literally doing this, not just figuratively, but literally, and taking, putting pen to paper. If you want to do it on a computer or a tablet, whatever, that's fine. But go through the, the actual motions of mechanically writing down a timeline of how you met the individual, time and date as best you can recall, kind of narratively just, uh, you know, free associate, describe, remember, 
what that was about, what happened, what are the things you recall, and then just continue on that timeline, hitting all the significant benchmarks in that relationship up to the current time. And that exercise will help that individual shake loose significant moments um, that if they're focused on recalling those, that timeline in that fashion, in that chronological order, it helps shake loose that information that is kind of tucked away in there that you, you don't draw on every day and slowly but surely will start to go away or you will start to write, overwrite that memory and kind of, you know, it'll, it'll become something else over time. So when you jot down that timeline and you're writing down those significant benchmarks and those relationships up to that current moment, the final moment that you come up to should be the thing that caused you to have to start this exercise of, okay, so how did we end up here? They just approached and asked me for money or to help out their, their uh, you know, siblings or their mom or whatever the, whatever the ask was. The thing that made you go, gosh, that's odd. Why did they do that? That doesn't make sense. It doesn't feel right. Something inside me saying, uh, this is a red flag. So by taking that step of writing that down in chronological order, it's going to take time and it's probably going to be a little bit painful, but you will, you'd be surprised at how many clients have epiphanies along that when they're writing this down, because then they have it in perspective, at least some perspective. It's not always going to be exactly accurate. And of course, to some extent, it's one side of, you know, the coin, you know, undoubtedly there are things that are not going to be remembered exactly accurate, but it gives that person the ability to look at the relationship and where it's come from, how it started, and then objectively start to assess, am I being played here? Am I a target for exploitation? And if they can't figure it out, that's fine because then they can go to their trusted advisor, their trusted personal you know, um, advisor or professional advisor and say, I may, be, I may be just making this up in my head or conflating things or I'm not sure. Can you take a look at this timeline for me and just let me know what you think? And that way, it's, it, it, the act of, of physically writing it down or again, entering it into a, uh, you know, uh, you know, a, a word document or whatever, um, a checklist, if you will, is fundamental in really getting your head around what's happened. Because when you get to that moment, it's very disorienting. You 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 start to you know doubt yourself. You start to doubt your own ability to. Am I remembering that correctly, or is this triggering some sort sort of old baggage that I've got that's relationship related or orient, you know oriented? And if so. Am I being objective about it or am I, am I starting to, you know, kind of withdraw again? And our, our natural instinct is to follow our old patterns. And so if we've had, if this has been kind of the undoing of relationships in the past, it's easy to go, ah, oh, doing it again. I, should, I, I just, I should stop doing this. I'm just going to let this run its natural course. <laughs> stop. Don't do that. Write it down, put it in chronological order and get it in front of somebody you trust. Uh, who is, is at least emotionally mature as you are and you trust their advice and you know they have your best interest at heart because it's a long-term relationship and you've been through things in the past and all of the, all of the hallmarks of a trusted personal advisor. Get it in front of them. This, uh, the second thing to do is depending on the results of that, that physical exercise of writing down a timeline of the events is to be prepared to start to close off uh, avenues of approach to your financial wealth. 
bank accounts, uh, shared credit lines, uh, passwords, those types of things. And there are some specific kind of somewhat mundane mechanical steps that we can talk about if you'd like to that, that are involved in that. But um, that's kind of the follow-up piece uh, where you are just taking precautionary steps to make sure that, you know, you're not, again, not to uh, overuse the metaphors here, uh, you're, you're locking the back door to make sure stuff just doesn't suddenly start to you know, flow out of your bank accounts or your money market account or whatever the case is. Um, another couple things I thought about that I used to see when people went out to nightclubs and public places simply to meet people. And two of those things were, oh, here, you can have my credit card. You don't have your credit card. You left your wallet at home. Here, take my credit card. <laughs> that used to happen all the time. Or, oh, shoot, you just need to run an errand. Here's the keys to my car. I'm going to be here another hour or two dancing. I was blown away when yeah. I would hear these two things. Like, if you had a friend. So, so as you're talking, I'm thinking, okay. So, what's a, what's a really easy way to figure this out? If a friend, a new friend, somebody that, you, that you're not dating, but a new friend, asked you for some of the things this romantic uh, person asked you for, how would you react? Take the intimacy and the sex out of it. How yeah. would you react? That is an excellent uh, benchmark. That's an excellent litmus test because that's precisely right. You're taking out, um, you're taking out the very thing that can cloud your judgment. You know, again, all of those endorphins and dopamine release because of the physical exchange. Uh, you take that out of the mix, and that's an exact uh, good guideline to use a litmus test. Would I have it? Would I let a new friend do this? Probably not. Probably not. It just doesn't on its face doesn't seem like a smart thing to do. So why was I so quick to say to the gentleman who called me that literally led me to you? Oh no, you don't need a divorce lawyer. You need a private detective. You need to know who you just led into your life. Now, this was because they were married. So yeah. we have a couple different approaches, I would say, to an unmarried situation versus a married situation. Yeah, that's true. So what are those? <laughs> <laughs> well, I would think, I would say, to answer your first question as to why that was your kind of, uh, your first inclination to recommend that, I would say that just off the bat, it's probably due in large part to your profession and what you do. So, um, which much of it is, um, you know, research and understanding, okay, what are the facts? Because from once we establish the facts, then I'll better know how to navigate forward, how to, you know, recommend what you should do uh, legally, what filings you should start to look at, you know, uh, what motions you want to, you know, give, you know, provide to the courts or to your attorney and that type of thing. Um, and that's absolutely the appropriate uh, thing to, to look at. But, um, again, most people, unless they come from, from that type of professional background and have that training, they're just not going to know to look at that. And then you mix into that their own sense of self-realization. You know, how, how self-realized are they? You know, uh, and then if they're not really uh, terribly self-aware, 
then they're not going to know to to even think of those things. They're going to start to go down that that line of hubris and smartest person in the room, so on and so forth. So the girl that committed suicide because she had engaged in corporate espionage, I guess that's the term, or intellectual property theft because she was putting uh, the sticks into the... um, into the computer and taking information off of her client's computers. Right. I mean, this was heavy duty stuff. Yes. And, and this is how she chose to end her relationship. Uh, Cause I guess you figured it was curtains. If, if these corporations had found out, right. but, but now you're, you're dealing with just more of an, an intimate relationship, sure. not, not that. So and, and, uh, more on my level. Right. So, you're either generally for me, you're already married. Now, what do you do? So there are laws to every state, marriage laws, and you either are in a community property state like California and many other states, or you're in an equitable division of assets state. Regardless, you, you've just created community property. Right, right. I want to hash this out. So you can either say, I'll take my lumps. I'll divide what I have to divide. I got to get out of this. So I'm not going to even fight for an annulment. Let me just get out because you don't know how dangerous the person might be. What if this person has a track record? Exactly. And, and if, and again, if it's a a, uh, foreign national that's been brought to the States, what are their connections overseas? What are your connections overseas? Do you have property, uh, businesses, things of that sort? Are you going to be in that that part of the world again? There's a lot of factors to assess, but it's it's again, this is where the kind of su- uh, successful business person, high net worth individual, um, c- they can apply their business acumen to this to this problem. So if they've got to the threshold where they realize I've got to get out of this, I've got to. This is obviously not working. I don't understand the mechanics of why it's not emotionally, but I know I've got to get out. It's not good for me. That's really, from there, everything is up. You know, you just, you've got to lay out a game plan, understand what the variables are that are involved in it. And then with trusted professional advisors, attorneys, paralegals, you know, therapists, whatever the case is, plan a course of action with some contingency plans if you start to run into... Uh, resistance or threats, uh, you know, and some of those things that you want to ask yourself is, is this person physically threatened? Is that part of their bag of tricks that they've used to exploit me uh, emotionally, that there's some physical intimidation? And this isn't just, you know, male-female relationships. This is going to be same-sex relationships. There's all kinds of dynamics and range of dynamics in there. The, th- uh, the threatening or menacing nature can be emotional, uh, not just physical. Um, and your living situation, the current living situation, if they're living in your house, uh, but you can't uh, have them leave because of... You can't, you know, because you just can't. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. You yeah. can't emotionally bring yourself to do that or put them out. Then avail yourself of that vacation home or, you know, rent a, uh, you know, uh, long-term uh, or short-term rental for a house or whatever the case is. Spend the money necessary to remove yourself from that because the more distance you get physically from that individual, the clearer your thoughts will be, the clearer your head will be. The more you physically disengage and break contact from that person, physiological, the more breathing space you will have. 
and not be drawn back in by whatever those emotional lures are that are being used by that person who's exploiting you. So that's another critical piece. It's not always just uh, imminent physical danger. It's the danger of being drawn back in by the very thing that got this whole process started. You may not be able to make rational decisions when you are in the presence of this person. And it doesn't mean you're weak. It doesn't mean you're incapable. It just means in that moment, right now, you're not going to be able to make rational decisions. Get some distance. Get some breathing room. Surround yourself by trusted friends, advisors who have your best interest in heart, not because you just think so, but because they have a track record of having your best interest at heart. And I'm going to conclude with my old stock saying, divorce is an issue of compromise. So if you find that you have married too quickly, yes. And now you've really had time to think because the hunt is over. You know what we're like. We are different pre-marriage than right after marriage. We kind of settle down and relax. And maybe this is the only time you can gain perspective. Right. Don't beat yourself up. No, it happens. Stuff happens. This is life. Life is a journey. Everything's a learning lesson. I mean, these cliches really do come in. They're very important and they, they have meaning. They, or they wouldn't have lasted as cliches all these years. Precisely. They're true. So just take a breath. Yeah. Get the legal support that you need. Um, if you feel that you need to do a little background information, we have you, Barry. Sure. You're there to help so that we can position ourselves correctly to compromise, to do what we have to do to as gently as possible dissolve the relationship and not have it start again, not put yourself in jeopardy because the person is going to go after somebody else. You know, in fact, use that as a comfort. Mm-hmm. that you're not ruining this person's life. Where are they going to go now? It was so tough for them until they met me. I provided a safe environment. How can I do this to them? That right. is the dialogue, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. That is absolutely the, the dialogue going on in their head, the monologue going on in their head. Absolutely. They're going to find somebody else. They'll They're going to be fine. They'll be fine. That cheat is going to find another antelope on the Serengeti to start to track. And more than likely, you weren't the first person. You may have been the second or third. More than likely, you weren't. And if you were the first, great. Yeah. (laughs) That's fine. (laughs) Yeah, the point is you've realized it, and now it's time to get on with the rest of your life. Yeah. This is great, Barry. This is really great. I have enjoyed this, and I am sure everybody listening has enjoyed it as well. So the takeaways are don't beat yourself up. This stuff happens. Sit down, be quiet. All those things that caused you internal consternation, write them down, do the timeline. Mm -hmm. And then if you come to the moment of realization that, oops, (laughs) this may not be the right relationship for me, start engaging the professionals that can help you remove yourself. But don't fan. I mean, you have to have the professionals guide you. I, I, I don't want to go too much beyond that. Just That's don't right. beat yourself up and end it as soon as you can. Exactly right. That is precisely right. Yeah. Thank yeah, you. Of course. This yeah, it was a pleasure. It was really, uh, really um, good to be part of this and, and I hope it's helpful. 
Oh, without a doubt. So um, even though in show notes, I'm going to have your information, just quickly for people listening, how can they get in touch with you? Um, they could, uh, in, you know, email is always a good way to reach out to, to me, uh, which uh, I'm sure the information will be in the show notes as well. Uh, but uh, reaching out to us um, off of our website, uh, there's a link there that you can click. And uh, we're a brick and mortar uh, shop, so you can call. We actually have uh, actual human beings answering phones and that type of thing. So I'm fairly easy to get a hold of in that regard. Um, but our website is probably the best uh, way to connect. Thank you, Barry. I mean, thank you for being who you are, such a compassionate, kind, gentle person with a lot of um, support for those who need your services. So uh, emotional support, intellectual <laughs> support, as well as professional support. So thank you very, very much. It's my pleasure. And thank you for the opportunity today. And thank all of you for listening. As you know, I appreciate each and every one of you. This was a tremendous learning experience today. Please share this episode with anybody that you think may need it. And if you are not a subscriber, please do so. You can get in touch with me through my email, judith at theamicabledivorceexpert.com. Judith at theamicabledivorceexpert.com. And as always, have an amicable day. That's our show for today. Thank you for joining us. Be good to yourselves, be kind to your spouse, and cherish your children above all else.